Waitman over his head. Cody Waitman's kicked a miracle goal. Looking for Vandermeer. He can go all the way. Straight man to hit the front. For 10 goals, they call him Bruce. Bruce. Can score towards goal. Bailey Smith as he got the dots in on the final. Bontempelli to seal the game. He's got it. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that would like to make it very clear. In last week's episode, we said nothing about how important Tom Liberatore is to our chances of winning finals this year. My name is Matthew Donald. I've got to Nickel here with me, our, my regular co-host of the Salty Bulldog. Welcome to you, Nick. Hello, Matthew. Uh, quite right at the moment. How are you holding up for now after the absolute nerves that we had last uh, or last couple of weeks before round 23? Yeah, I think I think it's all all settled down now. Obviously, no, um, obviously with the with the bye week in the in the AFL, I think it's given everyone an opportunity to just switch off uh, for a bit. And in part of that switching off, Nick, we've actually we've let our guard down uh, because we've we've allowed an outsider to sneak behind enemy lines this Into week. In a circle, here, yep. in a sanctum, dare we say it? We've often let a, a couple of our mates join in, particularly Jason, and whenever and only when Richmond get beat. Uh, but this is a little different, this one. Uh, now, obviously, our opponents ahead uh, of uh, Saturday night's match are uh, Fremantle, who have probably, I reckon, been the quiet achievers this season. I mean, for those who are in Melbourne, will have heard a lot about how this is finally Geelong's year and how Melbourne are going to go back-to-back and Richmond are going to win their fourth flag under and, Damien Hardwick. And while we're at it, how Essendon are still going to win trade period. Yes. We're oh, looking Essendon, very much forward well, to that they're in the coming months, yeah. They're going to do that again. And oh, obviously, Magpie Mania is is going to is going to escalate as we get closer to the one day in September. But Fremantle have been the quiet achievers going from 10 wins last year to 15 and a half this year. So we thought we'd better bring on a, a special guest or, or allow a special guest to infiltrate the Salty Bulldog uh, offices. So we've brought in a man who's a mad Dockers fan. And I can only assume he's a, he's a big fan of Prince as well. It's a duck from the Purple Rain <laughs> podcast. Duck, welcome to the program. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Nick. Um, thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, big Prince fan. I went and watched him in uh, Perth before he died, like a couple of months before he died. And best concert I've ever been to. But um, I think just more the podcast had a nice ring to it with the Purple Rain, mate. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good to be on. Thank you for having me. It is a top name, I will admit it. I got a definite uh, inner glow when I saw that. Oh, Purple Rain, that. That'll do very nicely there, Duck. So, so good stuff on that. Yeah, and the Dockers tried to never tear us apart style um, start the Purple Rain before games, but the song is just too slow. Um, so first year in the new stadium, they tried to start playing the Purple Rain, but it just... It's it's too slow a song, um, you know, and it's a, it, it, not everyone knows it, but it, it is a banger. But now we play We Will Rock You, and the, as you'll see on uh, Saturday night, you'll see a guy up the top of the stadium like banging out on a guitar. So we go, we get a bit pretty weird over here in the West, but um, yeah, should be uh, should be a pretty big game. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on, of course, Doug. But um, between Nick and, and myself, uh, we really hope that that music is only before the game and not not after the match. <laughs> uh, just just quickly on the on the purple rain, because I understand it's been going for for quite a while now. But you're only you're only half of the team. Yeah, so um, I I do the show with Oz, um, my co-host. He's he's uh, busy busy at work at the moment. I think he's said he was dealing with some after-school detentions as uh, most loyal listeners of the rain will know we're both school teachers so yeah now nah, we're um 
he's he's busy he's, he's got a family as well whereas it's just me and my missus um so yeah no he's he's a busy man and um yeah couldn't make it couldn't make it uh tonight which is uh, a bit unfortunate but uh yeah he's uh he's just uh at i think he's just at his school dealing with some after school detentions which is always a bit of a stitch up but mate he's he uses the ones and twos so if the sound quality isn't as good um guys today it's because i'm sitting in my back room in a pretty echoey room and Oz is uh, Oz is, is the master of the sound, the sound engineer, as I like to call him. So um, he makes sure that everything we do is schmicko on the production side. Well, all, all I'll say is so far we can actually hear you. And if uh, if you're a familiar listener to the Salty Bulldog podcast, you'll know that, that that's not always necessarily a given that you can actually hear us. Um, so you know, the, the fact that we've we've got you and we can hear you is a, is a start. It's, uh, it's better than most episodes we've had. Uh, obviously, we're going to dedicate most of uh, this week's show to talking about this huge final. Uh, the first final, incidentally, between Frio and the Western Bulldogs. Never before have the two sides met in a final. Have they got close, I reckon? Oh, Have they got close? I, I don't uh, know. Have probably you, have you... 20, I don't know, 2011? 20... When were you guys in Let's the prelims look. under aid? Let's when was look. that? The 2010 it was the final prelim under eight uh it's something you guys played hawthorne uh in the elimination final and got over the line then played uh yeah, what was it too long in the semi uh, i think we might have even gone to adelaide maybe i don't know we definitely I think um, in 2006 yeah. you guys ultimately ended up in the prelims again against the swans too there yeah so I, don't think we, beat... I think it was just the wrong side of the draw i think on both yeah, occasions both our september both campaigns jeez, you know, geez, we're the only other september together the only one I can think of is, is 2015, um, where we were certainly on the right path. Uh, because That's we, the only one. We lost to Adelaide, uh, who then lost to Hawthorne, who then faced Freya in, in a preliminary final. Um, that would have been an interesting encounter, actually. Would have, would have been. But uh, let, let's, let's focus more on the, on the present. And as I, as I said at the, at the top of the show, Zach, which was probably the longest run-up um, I've ever put together on the Salty Bulldog, yeah. 10 wins last year for the, for the Dockers. Um, 15 and a half this year. And I, remember I had a little listen to uh, to the start of your, your podcast last week. And um, I think you said that it was, it might've been four of the past five seasons that, that 15 and a half wins gets you into the top four. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's definite improvement from this year compared to, compared to the last few years. And I'm not sure how it's perceived in free in, over there in Western Australia, but um the Dockers to me have always looked like a side that's slowly been building over the last four years, but have, have suffered a bit with consistency and, and regularly mm. beating those sides that, that on paper you would expect them to beat. Has this, uh, this spike of, of five and a half wins over the course of 12 months surprised you? Uh, has it has a bit like the leap um, up as like, we, we expected essentially, you know, we were in that, that, you know, the, 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 it's generally the the ladders set into three lots of six, bottom six, middle six, top six, and we thought we were a middle six team. We moved into the top six quite convincingly. I mean, given that you guys are playing us in the finals, and if Carlton could actually play football correctly, um, it wouldn't be happening, and we'd be in the top four, and we'd be playing Geelong at the G. But um, look, I mean, we've we've been really, really, um, really consistent this year. I think the thing that's probably plagued us over the last even six years, we've been seven years we've been doing the pod for. This is the first year where we haven't had any real major injuries. And outside of Nat Fife, we've been able to put our best 22 out on the field pretty much, 
I would say 15 of the of those uh, 22 games. You know, um, anytime we can get our best 22 out there, we're we're really confident that we we can win games. Um, and even back in 2016, 17, 18, 19, all the way through to under Ross Lyon, like anytime we had our best 22, we looked up and about. We looked like a team that definitely could push for finals. But it's just unfortunate that the guys we brought in were injury prone. Um, you know, your lights of your Hogan and your Benel and things like that. So, you know, we really, we've really been blessed to have um, Phil Merriman come across from Hawthorne and Melbourne. He's now our strength and conditioning coach. Um, we got rid of, uh, what was his name? Oh, I forget his name. Um, our strength and conditioning guy was uh, came from a rugby background and built the players up pretty big and, and focused a lot on being physical, which is probably Ross Lyon's style, but it meant they broke down your likes of Stephen Hill and stuff like that. And yet we had a lot of soft tissue injuries. Um, we were unlucky with injuries as well. We had a lot of impact injuries. Alex Pierce broke his leg twice. Um, Fife, broken his leg twice. You know, that's just unlucky. Um, you know, Tabs has been under an injury cloud. The cloud is pretty much his whole career. He's only played, he's never played a full season and he's been our key forward um, for a long period of time. Um, but I, I guess the big thing is obviously the injuries have played a, played a big part. And this year, our injury list is pretty much non-existent. And even if you look at the, the injury list that's coming up this week, Fife's done his hammy. But apart from that, Lobb should play. Tabernar probably will play now. Logue will play. Blakely, well, he's not in our even in our best 30, so it doesn't matter if he's sick or not. Um, you know, so we we really don't have any any injuries at all, even down to Peel. Like, we've got guys playing in our reserves, um, and we have a situation in the waffle where you can only play 15 players, uh, AFL-listed players. So we've got guys playing waffle reserve, so playing like two grades below AFL. So we've got about three or four guys doing that week in, week out. So we've had, ev- like, even our... Even our our rookies are not injured. Like no one is injured at the club. It is absolutely unbelievable. And considering over the last five, six years, we've just had injury after injury. And we've been similar to what the Eagles probably were this year, where you just start the year with five or six injuries and you're already behind the eight ball. So we've been really lucky with that. And, you know, availability is the best, you know, the best stat going out there. And all our boys have been available pretty much. 20, 20 players at the Dockers this year, 18 or more games. And you speak of that availability, it's definitely the, the biggest resource going around, isn't it? I've got to say, Nick, this concept of, of players being fit and, uh, and a, oh, we're not a, used a to minimal that. injury it's, it's list. It's a very is strange a, foreign, us, reckon, foreign concept. Uh, Doug, are you sure yeah, this is legal? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely yeah, a foreign I mean, land, you know, right up on key with Eskimo Joe, I reckon, right up there with that, I'd say. <laughs> Dead set. I tell you what, like to not have like four or five guys out for the season as well, like at this time of the year, usually, you know, we've got guys out um, for the season going halfway, like by the mid-year break, you know, and, and, and look, we have moved on those guys who are injury risks, like I said, but even saying that, like we've got, we just, no one's got injured this year and probably in saying that, and I'm touching wood now, but in saying that, there'll probably be, you know, who knows what will happen with our injuries this year. But um, look, we, we, we've been really lucky with that. I think we've seen as well a really big progression from our players because of that. So, you know, competition breeds uh, efficiency and it, it breeds us to be better. So you saw Brayshaw won the AFLPA um, MVP. He's gone from a B grader to an A grader. Caleb Sarong's gone from a B grader to an A grader. Alex Pierce is probably the most underrated player in the competition. Should really, have been really fine key defender, isn't he? Yeah. 
should have been Genuinely in the Australian genius. squad instead of Brandon Cox. Brandon Cox was in the squad. He's a really good player. Um, Hayden Young's a fantastic player as well. They're all A-grade players, in my opinion. And um, we've been able to bring in two absolute bargains with um, Brody and Clark. Like, I don't know if you guys understand the Brody trade. You probably do, but... We got Will Brody for your listeners. We got Will Brody in a salary dump, the pretty much the first salary dump that's ever happened in the AFL. He was I'm on six hundred thousand, mate. Still yeah, well, I mean, it's a it's it's more of a modern US thing to dump salary. So he was on six hundred thousand a year. We got him plus pick nineteen, who's Maddie Johnson, and it, I mean. The highlight of his year so far has been wearing two jumpers in a game of footy for Peel was that cold down in Mandra a couple of weeks ago. But like he looks like a he looks like David Mundy 2.0. He's a big bodied mid. So we got him at pick we got pick 19, plus we got Brody, plus we got a couple of other picks, and then we gave them back a couple. So it, it looked like it was pretty even. But we essentially you guys should a, be sending a Christmas card to the Suns list manager, I reckon, and a couple well, of extra things on top of that, probably. I tell you what, we've fleeced the Suns. It, like pick two who was that. like Andy Brayshaw for Lockie Weller. Like, are you kidding me? Like yeah. it, it was pretty oh, funny. I was talking geez. to one of my mates who used to play, play in the league. And he would, he said, look, you should be applauding Lockie Weller when he comes to the Dockers. Like you should be standing, giving him a standing ovation for getting picked two for him. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, like he unfortunately got injured this year, but he's like dead set, like middle of the road player. And we managed to get Andy Brayshaw, who's, you know, AFL, um, PA, MVP. Um, we've also seen, uh, and obviously Jordan Clark came back from from Geelong and he's been elite on the halfback flank. Um, he really got us started last week with his run and carry. Um, and, and we've seen, I guess, the, the rise of the grunters. You know, we've got a lot of guys who are just not household names. You like of your Akers and your Aish, your Schultz, your Switter, even to an extent, Collier and Banfield, who have really risen their game this year. I mean, Acres and Aish. Acres is getting offered stupid money to go to Carlton. And, and, you know, look, if he goes, he goes. He's played about 10 good games of footy in his time at the Dockers, and they've just happened to be this year. Um, Aish is, a, is, is just signed a new contract. Um, and he was like, a again, a nothing pick. We got him in for nothing. Um, Lockie Schultz and Switkowski, both mature age players. They've really, like, Switter is, a, is elite, according to um, according to champion data, but he's just a, I mean, if you ask people to pick him out in a row, like in a lineup outside of Perth, I don't think many people would be able to do that. And then we've also seen our young bloods. We've got from last year, not last yeah, last year's draft, I guess, or two years ago draft, Nathan O'Driscoll, um, Walker and Chapman, they're our first three picks and they've all been rising star nominees this year. Um, Noddy O'Driscoll looks like a set and forget player on the wing. Um, Walker's a really good lockdown, small defender, very quick. And Chapman is a super underrated player. If he didn't get injured this year, he he would have been a red hot sniff for the for the rising star, um, at least to finish in the top three. Um, and as well, um, Monaro Frederic, the man we like to call Freddie or Slick Rick, he's he's um, he's absolutely awesome, and he's gone up taking his game to another level. So, you know, they're the they're the kind of guys that we've seen improve and take that step and. You know, I guess for the first time in six years, we've kind of said, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel isn't an oncoming train. You know, it's actually we can see something and we, we, we're we not getting injured. Our players are developing and they're good players. And, you know, you do get to have a swing at good players, but we've had three or four really good drafts in a row. And that's that's really the difference. And David Walls has done an outstanding job in drafting. Peter Bell's done a really great job as the general manager of footy and the list management and getting in these guys for cheap. 
and look, we've 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 been really really lucky with how we've gone about it because the draft is a bit alike, um, but we've been really good as well. Well, it's it's so important now the the draft. I mean, the the top ten picks you've just got to you've just got to nail these days, and and all the all the sides that win premierships do so off the back of several years, at least three or four of, of getting really good draft picks across the board from the, the first round. Yeah, and there's a, there's a couple of names that you left out there. The, the sharpshooter that's ironically named Jai Amis or Amos. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's another one that's um, cause I've watched a, a few Fremantle games this year. And there's this one name that um, seems to have uh, definitely flown under the radar, but every time I've watched him, Brandon Walker, looks like a, a reasonable player. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what do, what do you know about him? Cause I'm, I'm really so Walker Walker yeah. came in like, so he's an NGA product. So unlike um, you guys, our NGA products finish up around about pick 60, not pick one or two. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a, um, he's an NGA product and he's just an outstanding footballer um, really has great balance. Doesn't usually lose a contest. I think the big thing about him is his, and it might sound weird, but his determination, like if he loses the ball, he's back in there trying to win it back. He, he, he makes up for his mistakes um, doesn't lose his feet often, like I said, quick, um, got a lot of run and bounce off the halfback, which really suits our style. So um, all our defenders, except for Alex Pierce, essentially drive the ball from the back line. Um, you know, your Luke Ryans, your, your Brennan Coxes, um, your Clark, your Young, and then you chuck, in, you chuck in Walker. And Walker's essentially kept out Nathan Wilson, who's a 150-game AFL player. Um, and he's been really good. He's, he's a super underrated player. And again, another guy who most people wouldn't know who he is. He's, he was a late pick. I think he's about pick 50 or something because he was an NGA pick. So it was just a free swing. And he's been really good. And the other guy that actually came in with him, Joel Weston, who's been playing in the waffle for Peel, he's got electric pace as well. He's a small forward and he's a, he's a really, really, um, really player to watch out for in the future because he's, got, he's just got AFL um rated speed he's that quick he's the the quickest guy running around in the waffle at the moment so he's really good but yeah brennan walker um i've been super impressed with him he became quickly became my favorite player just on his determination but um he's he's a bloody good looking rooster as well we call him the don um and he's <laughs> he's uh does a bit of modeling over here as well and he's he uh he doesn't mind uh getting the rig out and having to wander around Second, uh, not sure you'll know duck but uh Nick, there's there's real Tate Short vibes to to this Walker, um, of uh, uh, yes, of yes, really the great Tate Short. Oh, I was I still can't believe it. what did he do? He cut short his VFL career to try that modelling uh, gig. Not too sure how that ended up again. I've gone blank. It's a few years ago now. It was a I little reckon. while. Yeah, he was a it, it was a 2018 or 2019 to be honest. Yeah, probably Jeez, pre-COVID. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let let's move on from modelling and let's look at uh, look at this game. So there's been some big injury news that's come out on both sides of the table in the last couple of days. So it started on uh, So it Tuesday. begins, I tell you. So it oh, begins. So it begins. started from Tuesday <laughs> uh, where, Doug, you spoke about how, how um, what a good run Fremantle have had this year with respect to injuries. Uh, but the skipper, Nat Fife, has been, uh, has been ruled out of the match on, on Saturday due to, a, due to an, I think it was a hamstring injury at, uh, at training. Um, so he's, uh, so that, was, that was on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday... Dogs had a hamstring injury of their own to Tom Liberatore, who definitely won't mm. play. And that's why I had to stress at the start that we didn't talk about the importance of Liberatore because what's happened in the past, Duck, on the, on the Salty Bulldogs, we've often spoken about uh, players and how important they are. And if we lose them, 
and we're in a lot of trouble. And, and what tends to happen the next week is that they, we probably lose it. They, yes, they, go, they go and it's happened. It's happened twice with Alex Keith. Um, both in, are in the same round as well. Too, same round. It? Yeah. Oh, so uh, we've against um, the same opponent as well. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> so we've got to got to stress that that it's not our fault that uh, that Liber is injured. Those those absentees. I suppose the, the question I want to want to put to you is how how confident as a Dockers fan do you feel of of winning, and did the the news of those two absentees change anything for you? Well, obviously the initial um, uh, Fife injury was was a bit of a shock. Um, just just letting you guys know as well, when Fife injured his hamstring last time, there was really no panic. Whereas I think last year or any time in the last five years, it would have been like, oh, we're, our season's over, we're done. Whereas last time was like, okay, we're trying to fit Fife into the team rather than build the team around Fife. Um, so look, him missing, it, obviously you're going to miss the quality, but I think there's been a little bit of misunderstanding within the Eastern States media in particular where Five seems to be the only docker that most media personalities know. So they're like, oh, five, 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 and they talk about him. I mean, the, the way they talked about him in the GWS game, you would have thought he had 50 and kicked 10, but he actually, you know, he didn't really play that well. He he played all right. Um, essentially, he's, he's played seven games. He's averaged 15 disposals. He's had three good games, three bad games, and one average game. You know, so he hasn't been setting the world on fire. I, I honestly think, and I don't know, I'd love your guys opinions like i think that liber's a way bigger loss to your team structure oh, than what five yeah. is i think liber liber seems to be for you guys really the bull at the contest um and that's somewhere where i think we probably won um last last game we played and and liber was willing i think he, i think you end up getting eight clearances but it's somewhere where we really got on top what are your thoughts what do you guys think about liber versus five in the in the missing the both well, I, I reckon I reckon if I gave Nick a bit of paper and I said Nick write down the three bull the names of the three bulldog players who if whose fitness you, you just you'd want to guarantee. So no matter who else you lose, you're getting these three players. I reckon in no particular order, he'd have Bontempelli, he'd have Norton, and he'd have Libba. Yep, that's it. And they can each take my arm or legs or whatever is required to get the job done. <laughs> yeah. At this point or the hamstring in this case. But uh, now speaking about Libert there, um, I do agree with you very much there, Duck, and it's not a discredit to, to Fife at all. It's more uh, in retrospect to what, unfortunately, to what Fife hasn't been able to bring to the table for this respective season. Um, he is a very different player to what he has been in the past. And, but in respect with regards to, to Liberatore, this year, of course, uh, one of the best clearance players in the competition, let alone at the Dogs. Uh, he's going at 7.2 clearances a game, which is you know half a clearance on average uh, ahead of our second place in Jackson McRae. And again, a further clearance in a bit ahead of Marcus Bontempelli at 5.3 there. So for a team in our stature where we tend to get a lot of scores via, or we're very heavy, uh, heavily clearance-based to generating a lot of our scoring opportunities, most teams, you know, sort of intercept possession-based in that turnover game. But it sort of comes down to our major strengths there, which tend to be number one for both clearance differential and also scores from stoppages. So the clearance differential stat generally were about plus eight each game. And generally we're also about plus 10 points in that regard there too for stoppages or scoring from stoppages across the ground. So it's effectively potentially, you know, him being part of that mix and being absent now, um, it's a matter of how do we contribute to be able to to make up that 10 point or roughly two goal um, 
scoring opportunities that we can create from those uh, from that particular spot. So, in a structural sense, even though of course Libba's a bit of a shorter player, it does show that there is a heavy significance, not reliance, but heavy significance on what he has to our style of play. And again, as you mentioned and alluded to it, he is the, the engine room there. So if he's not able to extract that ball, um, we haven't got too many similar types of players that are capable of doing those roles. We've got a lot of midfielders, but not to the extent who is as good an extractor as the Bratore is for us. So who, go, who goes into the midfield for you, for, for him? Well, who rolls in? Is it Trelaw? Is it, you know... Someone else is a bond. Does Bont play predominantly uh, midfield, or what? What do you guys do then? I, I would like. I would like to see that. I'd, I'd like to see McRae start featuring a bit more back onto the inside the guts. Actually, the last probable, oh geez, maybe the last five or six weeks has been featuring a fair bit out on the wing, which is a bit strange considering you know, the amount of ball he's able to, to naturally win um, for, as a midfielder in general. But I don't know. I'm a bit perplexed. I'd like to see him get a bit more of an opportunity there. We've seen. The idea of of Josh Dunkley having a, a good balance this year, anyhow, from being a, a midfielder and a forward at the same time. So it's a bit unique in that regard where we've been able to probably get that balance a little bit better. But I'd probably like to see maybe an extra five or 10 minutes for Dunkley this time around um, to be that inside ball. And we've seen how good he has been in that role, not just this year, but I still can't get over how good his 2019 season was as a fourth year player. Um, where he effectively became what was our third best midfielder for, for that season. Um, it, was, it was the three of them, I, wasn't it? It was, it was Bond, Dunkley, McRae. Exactly. It was, it was incredible. And how all three of them started polling plenty of coaches' votes from, you know, round six or so onwards, where I think Dunkley actually would have won the coaches' votes had the, had the votes started from round six in that accordance. So... Nick, would you consider... Would you consider... Players, though. Would you consider... Um, Having keeping Dunkley sort of game the the same in terms of balance between where he plays and hand the keys to to somebody like Riley West. Because West is a name that we've spoken about who's who's played predominantly as a forward, and, and that's purely due to the fact that there's just not been the opportunity in, in the midfield. There's an opportunity there now. And the obvious answer is, yeah, just chuck Dunkley in there and and sort of give him Libba's minutes and, and find someone to play Dunkley's role. But if Dunkley's sort mm. of settled in in, in the type of game that that he plays, would it be better off just leaving that and and trying to get someone to someone like Riley West to, to play to play in that uh, that Libba role? Well, I've got, got no I've got no doubt uh, <laughs> I've got no doubt uh, West could do it you know, after he signs the contract extension, which hopefully he's not. Well, personally, I think personally I think he's actually possibly already signed. It just we haven't released it um, from what I can understand. But um, look, West. He's going to get picked, first of all. His ratings, player ratings, uh, from his first 11 games this year, I think we're around the nine mark. And his last four or five matches since have been around four and a half to five points. So clearly there's been a drop-off in that in that respect there. And a lot of fans, including myself, were a bit puzzled as to why he was dropped. But clearly there has been a difference in his, in his game over the past month or so. And obviously that resulted in being absent for around 23. Um, the question is, though, is if West is to get thrown into the guts there, seeing as his forward pressure has actually been pretty good this season up in the front half of the ground, well, then who plays those types of roles? We don't have many, again, natural ground-level small forwards because a lot of our smalls love to, to try the high-flying marks like Cody Whiteman or, or in that case, for instance, like Lockie McNeil, they might play a bit higher up on the wing or they 
tend to sit out around the pack, not at the feet of, of where the crumb is meant to come. And that's something that West is very, very good at and very, very nimble on his feet with clean hands. So I don't know if I'm willing to see that particular compromise. I'd like to probably see him again, get a few more minutes probably in the midfield, but I don't know if this is the, the right time and place. It is a final after all, but you know, reputations can be forged. And if he's able to, you know, to pull it off and be an adequate replacement, we're not expecting him to, you know, to replace a little bit of seven clearances. But if he's able to ease the load on certain other midfielders, or at least provide them with a little bit of relief to, to have the confidence to go forward, for instance, say Bonton Pally there, or to allow McRae to, how would I say, open up the game in a different sense where we're not only solely relying on his hands to, to be the fellow that's got that, you know, extremely important vision that opens the game up. If West is able to accommodate that side of things, I'll be all for it. Again, I just got to wonder who takes something that small forward role. Well, we did There's see a lot him. of scenarios, saw, isn't there? We saw Rourke Smith play reasonably well in the uh, in in the match against Hawthorne. He kicked a career high three goals. I think he had 19 touches as well. Maybe it's not necessarily his uh, his go, but he, he's definitely shown that he can do it. And I think he's he's de- he deserves an, an opportunity to, to have another crack at it in finals. And we spoke about this last week, Nick. Rourke Smith has uh, tended to stand up in finals. He's not. He's not the most. He's not the best bulldog uh, ever going around. But his finals record is pretty reasonable. Hmm. It's an acceptable standard where you know, again, you're not relying on your 20th or 21st or 22nd or in this case 23rd player to be the one that wins you the game. And surprisingly, he actually was the one that did that um, around 23. But um, you know what you're going to get from him. And at least in finals, it's all about you know again playing that element of this is your role as long as you do this. You'll allow the other fellas who are supposedly the, you know, the superstars of the competition to do what they're meant to do. If he allows West to feature in midfield, which opens up the opportunities for our other mids, there's your win-win. And it still allows that balance, as you were alluding to before, Matt, that balance for Dunkley going forward and spending time in the midfield, which he's actually started to perfect, um, especially over the last six or seven weeks, I reckon. Duck, obviously the Bulldogs and, and Fremantle played a few weeks ago at Marvel Stadium and, and Fremantle came in with a with a with a really good game plan and ended up uh, ended up getting the, the win. What sort of Fremantle was that though? Because we saw a very deliberate uh, possession-based sort of chip kick marks, slow style of football, keeping keepings off almost, and it was very effective. And we've seen teams try to replicate that in, in the last couple of weeks with with varying degrees of success. So it looks as though that uh, Fremantle have established the, the blueprint uh, against um, giving yourself every chance of beating the Bulldogs. What sort of Fremantle was that, though? Was that, was that the Fremantle that have played throughout the course of the year? Is that sort of their, their go-to style of play and it just works against the Dogs? Or was that a deliberate plan that they, and a different sort of approach that they'd come up with specifically for us? No, that, that's that's the exact way we've been playing throughout the year, and I think actually, to be to be brutally honest, is probably the best we played at it um, under the dome, under the lid, um, no rain about, which has been kind of our Achilles heel. Um, you know, like I, I felt that we we moved the ball exactly the way JLo wanted it to be moved, um, switching with a bit of an intent, bit of chip mark as well, opening the game up when we needed to, going quick when we needed to, slow when we needed to. Um, skills are really high. And of course, I think that the two things that were probably the big difference is that our back line was quite good and your back line was really terrible, you know, like <laughs> for Rory new. Lobb to kick. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I just remember that the one endearing memory in my mind from the game was when Rory Lobb literally led for it 
And then he screamed for the ball and then it finally got kicked to him and no one followed him from the, from the Bulldogs. It was like he um, had the stink on him. I know he's got the blonde hair, but it's like he had the stinkies. Yeah, um, no, that, that he, sounds like I a mean, Bulldogs backline to me. Yeah, it was just, it was amazing because I, I would say in my time of watching the Dockers over the last, you know, 20 years, um, the amount of times I've seen the ball get kicked to a leading player is probably, you know, I count them on my hand. And I think that night we had a lot of marks inside 50, a lot of leading marks inside 50. And that's really not our, our go-to style. Usually it's bombing in and, and hope for some chaos. But um, I thought we, we, we actually got our game plan. That was exactly what JLo wants is that, that how we played against you guys and we're able to capitalize on all our opportunities going inside 50. Um, we defended really well. I think Luke Ryan had an absolute day out. Might have cost me a fantasy uh, final or maybe a title because he got 150 points against me, the bastard. But, um, you know, like he he had a day out. Our, our defenders played really well. Um, and our, our forward line, which is our Achilles heel, um, they actually managed to get a lot of score on the board. So, look, I, I think if it's a repeat of that, you guys haven't got much of a chance. But, of course... There is forecast to be rain. I don't know if you've seen much of the Dockers this year. We've lost, uh, I think, three of the four games that have been in the wet. We lost to the Gold Coast. We lost to the Colling uh, to Collingwood at home, um, and we we also had another game where we didn't. We beat the Eagles. Might have been know. the might have been the Saints. Perhaps was that one of the rain? Uh, that, that wasn't wet. That was a Maxi King just went mental for ten minutes and kicked four goals in like ten minutes of footy, and that was the end of the game. And we were we were playing. We were just getting into that 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 style of footy, and Max King and Higgins both kicked four goals each, and just like that was it. Like it just that was the a game we shouldn't have dropped, but we did. And of course, we don't make the finals, uh, the top four because of it. But that's all right. Because because the rain has been spoken about a, a bit, or at least the the conditions, Doug. So I want to know what uh, what worries you more as as a Dockers fan? Is it <laughs> is it the conditions or is it the the experience in finals because a lot of uh, a lot of the players for for Fremantle I suspect will be playing uh, finals for the first time and, and one of the one of the few who is an experienced finals campaigner is your captain Fife who won't be there against a side that uh, is just coming off a grand final last year and a lot of players played in the in the grand final in 26 and have that experience under their belt do you do you worry that that is a is a factor Oh, look, I, I fear the rain more than anything else. Um, where our, our, our style of game um, is dependent on, on clean ball movement um, and, and chip kicking and, and a lot of possession of the ball. And um, look, we're not the most skillful team to be running that style. And look, to be honest, the rain, obviously, it, it, it makes your poorly skilled players stand out like dogs balls and, and, you know, pardon the pun, but um, you know, the, the, the experience in finals doesn't actually worry me. I always go back to a quote from Michael Lombardi. I'm a big NFL man. And he always said, Lawrence Taylor never worried about his first final or playoffs game that he played, went out there, got a couple of sacks and dominated, um, you know? So I think if you're a good player, you're a good player, you know, to, to steal a quote from the, um, the hoosers as well. Um, you know, the ring doesn't change. The goalposts don't change. Nothing changes. It's, it's all the same game out there. Um, so I, I have full confidence if the boys can execute their game plan, they should come away with a W. You know, you've got to think realistically as well. I, I think that the thing that I most worry about is the fact that the Bulldogs have nothing to lose. All the pressure is on the Dockers. The Bulldogs have essentially got a free hit at this. You know, you guys were lucky to make it into the finals. 
Um, I think you've had a pretty, you'd probably say a pretty underwhelming year um, uh, coming back from coming back from the grand final disappointment. Um, and you know, you, you were, you were a, a freakish, you know, Collingwood just come back um, away from not making the finals um, and the Dockers should have finished top four in that circumstance as well. So, you know, this is a, a really, really random occurrence, but I think that, that also within itself, you know, the fact that we, we should have finished top four, we would have finished top four most years. Um, you know, it's just been a bit of a weird one this year. Um, but also the fact that, you know, we're, I think that, that you have nothing to lose is actually plays a little bit into it. Like if the Bulldogs lose this weekend, it's like, oh, well, you know, we had a crack. But if the Dockers lose, there's a bit of pressure. And anytime we've had some kind of pressure on us, um, internally or externally, the boys haven't played that well. The big expectation, the flagman or train that started running halfway through the year, you know, and that was that was hype central over here. Um, that that really put a bit of you know people drinking a bit of their own bathwater, and and it, it took a it really took David Mundy retiring or announcing that he's going to retire at the end of the year to kind of pull the players back in line. Um, you know, he's such an inspirational leader for our for our team and. You know, he's, he's obviously um, been there alongside Fifey since Pav stood down, um, you know, and was captain for one year. But look, I, I think Dave Mundy just just instilled something in the boys and just said, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging them up, so let's, let's win seven more. You know, it was six more at one stage, but of course we didn't make the <laughs> top four, so seven more. And um, since then we've won three in a row. Yeah, they're probably against you know some uh, some lesser opponents, but uh, look, at, I, I really think we should win. However, my biggest fear is the fact that the dogs with a with a still a very good side have nothing to lose, and that you know teams with nothing to lose, there's nothing that, we're, and we've seen that this year with Collingwood. As soon as there are a few goals down, they just go health or leather straight through the guts, and I, I think the Bulldogs can play that style as well, where they just go hell for leather. They get it in quickly. You get it into big naughty boy who, you know, I could I could talk for the rest of this Zoom recording about how <laughs> how stupid the Dockers are to let him slip through their hands. I mean, I don't know if you guys realise, but do you know he played for Peel, which is like our, our waffle team, and yeah. he was playing as a 17-year-old in the league side. He got dropped for Zach Dawson in the grand final, which I think he did. Yes, that's correct. I, I still remember that. Oh, I didn't no. know. He didn't dec- know that. I mean, we, oh, no. we, oh. we decided to pick up Adam Chera, who we knew was a flight risk instead of Norton. And we knew, look, like at the time, Norton was a defender. Our defense is pretty bloody good, you know. So, look, were we looking for another key defender? No, but he was so good that I assume that every Dockers player that was playing Peel at the time was going into the recruiter's office every Monday morning being like, we're playing with a guy at Peel who is like the next Alex Rance. He is that good. And everyone who watched him was like, this kid is the next Alex Rance. This kid is that good, you know, but instead we decided to take Adam Chera and look, I mean, in the end, it's kind of worked out. We've managed to get a, uh, or, ask, or miss come into the team, but we're a couple of years behind. Where if, if we had Norton, I mean, good lord! Like I mean, if, if you had Norton on on Saturday and we did, it'd be a very different, a very yeah, different. I, I pretty much together. would have put paid to the ends of uh, the next few years, I reckon. And so mm-hmm. we just got to wait for Jamara and Darcy then. But no, it's it's interesting with Norton. So that's actually a very little. That's actually a great little point you've made there, Duck. To be honest. Um, yeah, and like I mean, it'd be oh, like oh, some. I mean, what's your what's your um, feeder side in the VFL? What's um, great. So it'd be like someone playing for Footscray as a 17 year old and dominating. And like, you guys have like the, you have two picks in the top five and no one says, 
oh, like don't and like people at the club are playing with him and they're not going. That's what was weird. It was only apparently it was only like, apparently no you guys what. and Collingwood that was supposedly surfing for for Norton in that um, top ten, which which I'm bewildered about because you know obviously in that sense he probably really should have gone at uh, probably even earlier than pick five where Chera went possibly. Well, I mean, like realistically, I don't even know. you take him pick one instead of Cam. Right? In this like, in an open in an open 2017 draft, you take him in pick one now. Yeah, I, I think, I am, uh, and you know. I'm almost certain that that hypothetical of us overlooking a player running around in the reserves has happened before. Maybe not with Footscray, but um, <laughs> I think I think when we were uh, when we were challenging for flags under Reed, there was a mm. fellow running around at Werribee called James Podziadley, and uh, uh, yeah, and uh, no, nah, they didn't. Uh, they said no. They said no on we multiple occasions. We don't need the leading goal kicker in the VFL or Werribee's leading goal kicker at the time. What did he uh, kick? He kicked probably the better part of. Close to 200 goals, I, I probably believe, in at least uh, four or five seasons. I think he kicked at least 60 odd in 2005, perhaps. What did no, he, we he trained with Essendon. I think he trained with Collingwood, maybe. Uh, did he even do anything with us at all? Did he train at all with us? Oh, not not to my uh, not not to my knowledge, but uh, yeah, I don't wanna, I don't want to uh, go through that trauma. So let's move yeah. on. Speak on the topic uh, of Norton, um, and you you mentioned mm-hmm. Duck, that um, Fremantle have some have an excellent defence and have some great key backs. Who plays on? On Norton. Oh, Alex Pierce, mate. Pierce? Alex, I, I think, to be honest, I think Alex Pierce pulled his pants down last time. I, th- I think he beat him in a number of one-on-one. I think Norton kicked a couple of goals, but I thought Pierce did a dominant job on him. Um, Pierce is super underrated, mate. Look, the problem with Pierce is every time he goes to kick the ball, it looks like his leg's going to snap in half. You know, like um, he's just, his leg is, it's like it's made out of glass. Um, so like he, he just really, really looked and like he broke his leg against Collingwood a couple of years ago, kicking it, you know, like he might've maybe initially broken it in a contest about 30 seconds before, but he kicked the ball and he's, he's, his leg broke. Don't let the truth so, get in the way of you know, the story. And he, well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's obviously there. I mean, I, I put this back to you guys. I think, what would you give up right now at this current moment to have Joel Hamlin back in your side? Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, so this this depends. So, a fit Joel Hamlin, um, I, I'd I'd gladly give up at least a first rounder for him. A fit Joel Hamlin, um, yeah, possibly I'd, it'd be one of those like, probably one of those later firsts, probably around that twelve to eighteen range, obviously, in that sense. But we've dis- we've he, discussed he was player, the, wasn't he? yeah, we've yeah, just we've, we've, we've discussed the hypothetical Hamlin's. of bringing him back. Um, yeah. At stages uh, is uh, is he out of contract at the end of this year, Duck? Or is it next it year? I, I think he's he's. I think he's. Um, I think he's shot, requirements. So we would, we yeah. would. Um, oh look, he's been playing really good footy at Peel. He he, he was in the see. best a couple That's of weeks ago. That's good to see. Um, what he, about he, that ankle like, is holding up pretty well? Is, yeah, the problem with Hamlin obviously had a he had a really bad ankle injury at training. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that's quite annoying with, with football clubs. They report it and they don't quite tell you the whole truth. He had to have surgery yeah, on it. He had an infection in surgery. <laughs> you know, like all these, all these things happen. And um, look, he's, I would say, look, he's a ripper bloke. He's probably the one guy we've interviewed on our um, After the Siren pod, whereas I was like, how do I become mates with this guy? Like, I just want to be his mate. Like, it's a bit weird. I was like, how do you become mates as an adult? Unless you work with someone, it's a bit hard. Yeah. Um, but look, I, I think he would be, if you got him back, and look, I reckon it only cost you a third rounder. Wouldn't cost you that much to get him Lucky. back to the to the dogs. He's only he's thirty years old next year, but I think he would be a really really good and exactly what you need. Another big like closing a, a speed big, key defender. Yeah, key defender. You know, it gives Darcy time to go forward. 
um, rather. And look, I, and I know, like he he looks pretty good, young Darcy, but he's still raw. Um, exactly. I don't know if you've you've got another father son coming through that's going to be in the top couple. I've got of about picks. another twelve. Take which one? Take your pick. A lot of them. It's interesting that, that your 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 default answer was immediately Alex Pierce because I was uh, reading the other about uh, Brendan Cox and I think he's played twenty one games this year and he's conceded twenty three goals to to direct opponents, which oh, I think was in terms of a defender was was like third best in the in the competition or something like that. Mate, Cox that Cox would have conceded right. twenty three goals from making stupid mistakes and being lackadaisical. Like Cox is so laconic, mate. He's so laid back. He's just about horizontal. Like he makes <laughs> stupid mistakes often. Like he he literally made a mistake where he just like forgot to pick up the ball and he stopped in one of the games where he thought there was going to be an in the back. So he just stopped. Like he makes really, really, we call them cat tens. So if you make a mistake that leads directly to a goal, it's called, it's like a category 10 mistake, okay. um, like a category, category 10 hurricane. So yep. it's like a, it's a massive mistake. So um, yeah, he's, he makes the odd cat. I, I was, I was a little bit shocked that he made the all Australian squad. I actually thought that, Alex Pierce has had a way better year than him. I just think people look at the stats and the fact of the matter is, is that Luke Ryan and, and Brennan Cox are best mates and they kick the footy to each other heaps. And mark my word, Luke Ryan will take about, you know, depending on how many points you get, he'll take 90% of the kickouts and 80% of those kickouts will go to Brennan Cox standing in the pocket, you know, and it just, his, his stats pile up and he, look, he has gone up leaps and bounds. He has been one of those guys. He's gone from a, a B grader to an A grader this year, Brennan Cox. But I, I, I just, he's one of those guys that you just like, Oh my God, get out of second gear, mate. Like, what are you doing? Put some pressure on, have a bit of, had a bit of urgency about you because the way he plays, and I don't know if it's because he is such a smooth mover, but he just seems like he's got all the time in the world and nothing really matters. And, oh, well, if I miss the kicker, who cares? And da, da, da. And he just, he just goes about it. He's a very funny dude. He's a very laid back dude in that sense as well. But um, yeah, it's infuriating at time as a Dockers, as a Dockers fan and, but I, I think Alex Pierce is the one who will, who will play on Norton. Um, and I think, look, our backline, I, I really do rate highly. That's the one thing that we've we've had a really good backline, even under the Ross Lyon days um, after we got rid Best of Zachy Dawson. Best defence in the comp this year, statistically. Mm, yeah. And look, it's it's not just, I think with us, it's not just not conceding goals. It's the drive we get from our backline. Clark and Young. I mean, Young is like a surgeon with that footy. He is that good. Uh, like, he is... Oh, Mate, he's the type of guy that you just you just go, thank you very much. Like, how good's that? Thanks. Um, I think Adelaide picked up some guy called like Fisher O'Brien or some shit like that. Fisher Maxey. Fisher Maxey, yeah, picked him up. Don't know who he is. And we've just gone Sarong, Young, Henry. Thank you very much. That's three boys we can set for the next couple of years. And Sarong. And, and they're going to probably lose Maxey mm. for most likely a third or fourth round pick. Uh, probably at the end of this trade period, I reckon. Oh, but like if you just get Sarong or Young, like you said, those two guys are both elite. So mm. look, we're we're super happy. And look, Chapman for like pretty much his first year this year. It's his second year at the club. Um, he's a he's a really really good player, and he was one of those guys where again we didn't need a defender to be picked in the first round, but he got to pick fourteen in the draft, and we were like, we have to take him. Like he's that good yeah, and he's yeah. just slipped to us. He's a WA guy. And that, that's been something that we've really tried to focus on um, with our drafting. We've, we have drafted local and we've had that little bit of a local sense just with free agents and coming in and, and we don't draft 
Vic Metro guys. We try to avoid them because they're generally the the, the you know the, the yeah the homesick men which is just i don't know just a weird thing just say you want to go back to victoria you don't have to say you're homesick it's okay love, <laughs> love, you don't loving, want to be in WA. nick i'm loving this insight so we know we can get joel hamling for a third round kick a third round pick rather yeah. we can yeah. uh we've got uh we've got a we've got to keep an eye out for a ryan to cox from the from the kick-ins because we're definitely going to kick a lot of points because no one does it better than, than the western bulldogs <laughs> and uh you mentioned hayden young which is a, another example of us getting the dud brother as well so uh you know it's all all coming together um we've i know you we've got a bunch of questions from our fan q a and i know duck you've got a, a few questions for for us we might get stuck into those but just before we do yep. that the one Dockers player because you've got a few names and I'm sure there's a few. Who's the yeah. who's the one that might be just just under the radar slightly that we need to keep an eye out on um, this Saturday? I I think Nathan O'Driscoll could tear the game apart on a wing. I think he's he's the type of guy who he could kick three goals and you'll be like, who is this bloke and what? what he's just pinging them from everywhere. So he I think had the goal that kind of broke you guys last time where he ran away from McRae just yeah. looked at him and said, mate, not, not good enough. Kicked it. And of course, in classic O'Driscoll style, because his whole family is pretty much at the club, which is pretty funny. Um, he started celebrating and then there might've been a score review. So he stopped celebrating. <laughs> then it, they said it was a goal. So he started celebrating again and he was kind of in and out. But I mean, um, we, I've had a bit to do with his sister who plays for the AFLW side and she's a ripper. She's just, they're just the funniest people. And O'Driscoll, I think he's the type of guy, I think Freddie, um, Monaro Frederick with his pace, um, you know, he's just elite slick Rick. Um, I think you've got to watch out for him. And then in the guts, I think Will Brody goes under under the radar a fair bit. And you'll just you just see him accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and win hardball, get after hardball, get how the Gold Coast didn't rate this guy. Yeah. And at the start of the year, I was like, all right, how's this guy gonna be? He's a reject from the Gold Coast. You know, he's a salary dump. We got the pick. That's okay. Any this guy plays five games fantastic and he's just he, he's literally kept nat fife a dual brownlow medalist out of the midfield i mean that's that's how good he's been he his season has been out of this world good and he's hard as a cat's head he he's like our you know kind of like our liver and he just gets in there and he just he knows he can't kick that much that well so he kicks about 20 meters max and he hand passes a lot and he wins a lot of hard ball and he's just, I mean, we call him the steak knives because he was like the steak knives in the deal. Yeah. Like, here you go. But he kind of wasn't that. He was kind of like, you know, take this guy off my hands and I'll give you $50. It's like a, you know, come and pick this yeah. stuff up from a roadside and I'll give you money to get rid of it, you know? And he just turns out to be a, a, the biggest hidden treasure going around. So I think that's something that the AFL could bring in, like best trade and best first year player and stuff like that. And I, I think, or best player from the rookie list, I think we need more awards. I'm just like, yep. bring in more awards. Why not? Oh, more stuff to bet I've on. And <laughs> I've seen some of the award nights that they've had and how long they go for. And I tell you, we don't need more. <laughs> Drunk it out enough as it is. Nah, more awards, mate. Uh, I'm all about it. More awards. <laughs> so let's get into a couple of these these questions. Start with the, the fan Q&A and I'll, I'll go to you. We might alternate. So I'll ask Nick first and um, Duck, I'm sure you've got a couple of questions for us. So I'll start you mm. firstly, Nick. One from uh, DJ Will. And uh, Jez on uh, on Twitter, both asking the same sort of thing. Uh, does Josh Bruce play? And if not, does Josh Shackey take his spot? That is a pretty fair question, actually. I wonder in that sense there, because, again, finals is a very physical 
physical game. We haven't seen the best of Bruce, unfortunately, um, from his return this year, post uh, post that ACL. And we know Josh Shackey's been in some exceptional touch in the VFL. Well, just, now. I don't think we made it clear enough 17? last week. 14 goals these last two matches for Footscray. There I don't think go. we said that enough last week. So, no, you know, no. Say that again. Say that again. That's what 14, I've 14 in two weeks. I think he's in reasonable form. Mm. 31 goals. I think it's 14 games or maybe 13 games in the VFL. I think he's sixth or so. Or maybe he's just snuck out of the top 10 in that goal-kicking department there. But um, I don't know. It just depends on what we need for him too. I think personally what will stick with is Bruce, um, which would probably allow potentially, let's say if, let's say he is able to get off the chain because he hasn't been able to do so yet. And I think the idea of his physicality is still what would probably still be his best asset. I do wonder if, say, Shaki was able to play in the forward half. That means then you probably still need to play a number of genuine small pressure forwards to make up for that lack of supposed pressure there yep. that Shaki might bring to the table. If he's not marking it cleanly or delivering it to someone or him himself getting the ball on, on a platter, I'm not too sure still what he might offer in that sense, especially during um, you know, what will be a very, very physical final. This is not to say Shaki can't play good football because he's proven us in the past too. You know, we, you and I are big fans of him nonetheless, regardless of, of, of him playing in the VFL or not. And it's something though that we are still tempted to see. But, you know, I still think the idea of having still a genuine key position presence, although still out of touch, is something that we still require very much, at least in finals football. The answer as to who should play, I think that'll probably... We'll touch again on our end, provided hopefully we get the win. Um, that answer of who probably should play might come into the question the following week. Touch wood, but touch Collingwood. I think for now, we yes, exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> potentially Collingwood, all the cats. Oh, God. Uh, it's going to be fun for either of our teams, I reckon. There, duck. Um, what can I think? No, it's uh, I'd still be backing Bruce mainly for that particular partnership that he and Norson have worked you know, hard over the last, or well, especially last year, to be able to, to form. And I think there's pretty much been some good continuity, at least over the last half a dozen weeks, alongside Jamara there. And that sort of direction that Bruce is still able to provide. You know, yep. I said he hasn't had the best season return uh, post-ACL, but I still think that idea of him being like a, a relative general, the one that sort of assembles those, the troops up in the forward half and and putting them into the particular positions where he knows how to lead, or at least he knows to tell them where to lead, or he might make the space. You know, he's going to take a decent defender at the minimum. So then, and it probably won't be, yeah, it won't be Pierce because Pierce really, as as Duck said yeah. before, he should go to Norton. But let's say if Bruce gets off the chain there, now Pierce might be able to then, you know, put the, uh, you know, get stuck into him and, and lock him down. But then there needs to be the right matchup then for Norton if they do that switcheroo. And that's where his importance will come to the fore. Well, that, then, is where, boys, that is where. I, I mean, I guess. I guess the hard thing is, like, I feel like you guys. You remind me of me and Oz discussing, like, who's better at a tabs and lob or something like that. Like, who comes in? It's kind of like that. That you're not driving to the game worrying about Shaky or Bruce. Like, I don't want to sound rude on those guys, but the same as like no, that, not lob and tabs. Not you're not like, yeah. oh crap! I hope these two guys don't get hold of us. Like, you don't. It's like a secondary thought, you know. So I think Bruce personally is, has come back and hasn't really done anything. And Shaky, 
I've only heard Shaqy's name being mentioned on the radio when Mick Malthouse was like absolutely bagging him out, pretty much <laughs> saying, how's this guy playing on any AFL list? How was he picked in the top? What was he like, pick two? He like, was, yeah, was what, pick two. Yeah, like what is this guy? And it was probably the funniest thing I've ever heard because Mick Malthouse is, well, is Nick- on too much WA radio. Nick and I, Nick and I, uh, self-confessed, uh, we're on, we're on Team Shacky. We have been for, yeah, for a Shacky while. Freaks. The love Shack. <laughs> yeah, um, and he had a, he actually had a, a reasonable finals campaign last year as well. Um, yeah, he definitely, definitely, uh, you know, built some credits up last September yeah. for sure. As and, a defender, and, though, admittedly, but yeah. and, and as we said, he's, uh, you know, he's been in reasonable VFL form. So uh, there's always that to consider. Duck, I'm sure you've got a, you've got a question you want to yeah, ask hey, us. What, like, I, w- I want to ask you guys, which docker do you fear? Like, who's the guy that you're, you're like, oh my god, this guy always plays well against us. I know there's a couple like Reece Stanley. I have the biggest fear of as a Dockers fan because he, yeah, that's, he, uh, he that's literally, two of us, mate. That's two of us, mate. Reece Stanley circles the Dockers every year, and he's like, "This is where I'm going to get my kicks, mate." He he had a game for St Kilda where I reckon he got another contract because of it. But that was uh, is there a Dockers? What did he do? It might have been 2014, perhaps, where we got the three votes against you guys. 19 yeah. touches, and three or four goals. And then like six weeks later, he was traded to the Cats for 21, yep. which I still have no idea how the heck thank you. I reckon they were that. watching that game as well, mate. But That's like, the what only Docker... game they must have seen. <laughs> what this... Docker do you fear? Nick, you know what this is? The Dockers. You know oh, what this is sounding shit. like, Nick? This is sounding like uh, the Magic Door medal. Are you, are you aware oh, of the Magic Door medal? The, um, the illustrious Doug? medal here. Or do you need, no, a, do you need a brief that? description? So the, the Magic <laughs> Door medal. description into this. Oh, jeez. Magic Door medal named after obviously the former North and, uh, and Melbourne um, big man Magic Door. Uh, reasonable footballer, but not the best career uh, you'll ever mm. see. Apart from round seven, 2013, where he decided he was going to be Wayne Carey for the day uh, against the Bulldogs. He, <laughs> he probably had as more, he probably had as many kicks that match as he had in the rest of his career, to be honest. Six goals oh, and about 20 marks inside 50. He, 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 and he never did anything like it Six ever again. Four. So what six we uh, six four. So what we look for is we look for for, for absolute no namers who uh, who decide against the dogs that they're going to have the game of their lives. And I was thinking about this uh, a little earlier, and there are plenty of Dockers from yesteryear who uh, who poll vote. So um, uh, in twenty eleven, uh, Kepler Bradley oh, and Jay God, Van Hurlow so kicked four <laughs> goals in a, in a seven that. point win. <laughs> Even the match winner, the match winner by uh, what was that fellow's Nick name? Lower. Nick Lower. Yeah, wasn't too bad. A oh, uh, Nick Lower. Oh, Brad, no, remember a couple no, of player, couple of, a bit weird and out there usual. A couple of years ago, Brandon Matera kicked five in a in a I game against us with only one by that, a couple of kicks. Oh, that was. Uh, and even was, even um, even Rory Lobb this year, when he kicked four goals, I think he kicked all of them from outside it, fifty. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He kicked, yeah, I sent you. I just sent you a screenshot before that. Yeah. he kicked two from outside fifty directly in front. That's you know percentage chances on that are probably just a touch over maybe forty five, and he nailed them flush. And he had two other. Uh, he had from two other ones line. from the the right <laughs> yeah the right forward flank over there again low percentage and dubbed them right through no worries. He had four goals from seven touches. Even what was it mm. Frederick too? He had three goals from nine. So what's that? Seven goals from mm-hmm. sixteen touches. I don't know if that's going to happen this time around. It might be more. It probably hopefully will be less. But it wouldn't surprise me if they crack ten this week. I think <laughs> With um, their efficiency. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think Roy was trying to convince us that he's actually worth pursuing, and uh, he, that's he, what that's why I'm, driving, I'm driving him to the airport, mate. Yeah, I think like, uh, the, 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 if you reckon Bruce and Shacky are tough to watch, try to get around Rory Lobb. The yeah. guy's like, but this the best description to to, is my my girlfriend's like. So my girlfriend doesn't watch much footy. And she came home from a game and she was like, that Rory Lobb is like a kid who got too big too early and all <laughs> they rely on is their height. They don't develop any other skills other than I'm tall, kick it to me, yeah. you know? And I was just like, it just, because he's got, he's so tall that the fact he actually gets worked off the ball really easily. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a footy journal over in Perth who in the media box often refers to him as the um, mirage. Sometimes he's water, like he was against the, the bullies, but most of the times he's just sand. He's just more sand. So, you know, look, mate, I, I know that he's, I know boys, he's, he's nearly kicked 40 this year. I think he's kicked about 30 odd. First time, he's, first time he's done that though. Yeah. It feels like it feels sad. like the uh, it feels like if, the Tim <laughs> O'Brien rule where he, he played a God. blinder against us late last year as well, and it convinced well, us late to last go for year, him. He's played a few blinders against us, Tim O'Brien. <laughs> I been, can't believe this. We're doing this again. Oh, Mr. Been, Sam Power, why are utterly, you doing this to us? Utterly but, useless. You know, who's, like, who's the docker? If, if you want who's him, the docker that worries him. me? Jeez, mm. have him. I'll take him back. I'll pay you to keep him. That's what I'll do. I'll hand over. If I was the list manager, I'd give our first round pick to you guys to keep him by default and extend his contract too. Ah, <laughs> uh, geez, who's if, the uh, the Dockers player that worries me the most? I think because we're likely to get him, Rory Lobb being the biting the hand that's about to feed him or feed him rather is a concern. The the just other one a who few you more zeros on that contract, yeah, exactly. Boys, just the pay other... through the nose for well, a few more the, years. <laughs> the other one you mentioned, anyone with any modicum of Geelong DNA, as far as Bulldogs are concerned, is one to avoid in finals. Yeah, they're, they're the, they're the <laughs> so Jordan Clark exists. is a yeah Jordan oh, Clark geez, is no, another you... one. No. I'd be oh, worried about it. a goal after the are siren you... there from uh, are you the other guys who've lost to Geelong in the last ten years in finals or something, boys? What's, last ten years, just pushing out to twenty while we're at it. Actually, like the the nineties was just a series of having to having to overcome Geelong to, to get make a grand final. Like it was actually impossible for yeah. us to make a grand final without I playing thought, Geelong at some point. Didn't you guys lose to Adelaide? Was that twice or, in or, or, or Adelaide? Don't, don't, we or don't. Adelaide. The famous Libba goal. I, I remember where I was. That got, that went through Libba's goal. No one celebrates like that. For this does not make me feel any better whatsoever. <laughs> no, uh, he's not doing his chances <laughs> uh, of a return to this podcast much good, is he, Nick? Uh, <laughs> he's bringing up these sorts uh, of finals. Um, back to, to dark, another, dark another question um, from, who are we going to go with? We'll go with uh, we'll go with uh, the doctor, uh, Jason Seuss. Uh, looking past Frio, um, as it's a given we win, this was before Liberals <laughs> ruled out mine, uh, have you looked ahead at our future opponents? What's the best scenarios for winners and losers in the other games? Just well, avoid I, the cats at all costs. Just avoid That's the cats. Avoid, avoid the, Geelong at avoid all the, costs. Avoid Geelong. You know what, guys? I honestly have no fear of Geelong. We beat Geelong in Geelong, and we made them look silly. For yeah, that's yeah, that's it. We haven't quarters. done that since I was five years old. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's this thing. is this is Fremantle, and 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 the Western Bulldogs. There's only yeah, we we've only probably beaten Geelong what in the last. 30 odd probably since 1990 we've maybe beaten them i've probably got more fingers on my hand than the times we've beaten them i reckon Jeez. and we've probably lost close to 30 odd matches maybe are you guys to- always going down to cadinia but because yes, you're, you're yeah. like a smaller i mean you know we got sent that. to a final there like we got yeah. sent a, a final and, and you somehow won. we played a final in cad oh mate with the greatest i still can't believe that people were surprised that you've won that i legit this is in i still legitimately thought they're a good shout here 
they're a legitimate chance to beat them there. I'm oh, still yeah. surprised. We, I mean, we beat them the year play. before. Beat them the year exactly, before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly we, right. We better. We better oh, get. Think, to, um, I mean, yeah. You guys obviously oh, Collingwood, but us Geelong, I think, would be yeah, better for us. Mate, this one's from me, guys. I, I guess yeah. the big thing is, is, uh, and I'm, I, I prefer to talk about this one, but who's your favourite dual citizen? So we used to have a segment called Dual Citizen on the Purple Patch where we talked about guys who played for both the Dockers and the opposition, obviously being the Dogs. So here's your list. You've got Stephen Coops, who, of course, was a part of the David Mundy trade. <laughs> I, I don't Thank think it's going to be him. <laughs> uh, Brad Weir, who famously got suspended, the first person to get suspended for the old squirrel grab. Um, and he's what we call a yo-yo man who went from the Dockers to the Bulldogs back to the Dockers. We love a good yo-yo player. Kingsley Hunter. Um, who is, is, has been is a big, big barrel chested forward. Joel Hamling, obviously, probably one of you. Hayden Crozier, who could have been anything, mate. We picked him up with like Tommy Sheridan in like the 2012. This is not a very illustrious like, yeah, list. 2011 draft, I think. And, and Daniel Hargraves, who we went back during COVID and watched. We watched the famous Dockers game where we beat you guys by Winnie Abraham kicked a goal with about uh, a minute yeah. to go by about a point at Western Oval. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Hargrave played in that game. And I think he gave away a free kick and that was it. And the next year we traded for him. And I was like, what the? Oh, like, it's the reverse Tim, it's, it's not Tim O'Brien for us. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what have you seen him? So, yeah, that, that was it. Guys, were, who, who would be your favourite? Dual citizen. Oh, gee, it's a big, it's a really, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of big names on the, on that list. To, to show. I, hate to, I, hate to show, I hate to show you up. There's, there's one that you've, that you've overlooked, which, um, oh, who's I'm that? Surprised. Daniel Bandy was a, was another oh, one. Daniel Bandy. Bandy. Docker oh, and you know what? But uh, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be number one either. And I didn't, I put him in, uh, because I've written about the squirrel grip. That's why Daniel, no. Bandy. oh, Daniel Bandy, mate. He's, mate, he could have been anything, Daniel Bandy. Handy, handy player. Actually, when you when you watch some of the the Bulldogs games of the early two thousands, he was a reasonable player. I reckon under Beveridge, he would have been quite the success because he's a type of ruckman that the Beveridge would have loved to have had. But let's be honest, we don't exactly have premiership players growing on trees. Uh, so, oh, right, man. Guys, Nick's just look at that card of Daniel. I've got I mean, Bandy, Bandy's he was before his time. He'd be the ruck yeah. forward that you'd want. Oh, absolutely, thirty goals in. 22 games in 2002. He and Luke Darcy formed a great ruck forward partnership, and it'd be absolutely ideal now. I tell you, um, I, I premiership players for us don't grow on trees, so anytime that uh, there's an option for one, I mean, they just go straight to the top of the tree. We love, we've already declared our love for Joel Hamling earlier. We'd love to have him back, we've always wanted him back, so he's got to be my favorite Joel citizen. Which, incidentally, I love yeah. that term, by the way, Jules Citizen. Yeah, it's good, eh? Um, yeah. I mean, Stephen Copes, for me, has to be the best for the Dockers. He oh. obviously was a part of the Monday trade. He was a good player at the Dockers. I, think I was wondering if that was going to get brought up. Oh, yeah, big time, mate. <laughs> I like, was cheers, wondering. thanks. I mean, I know every it's other the... team just about overlooked him because he, he went about pick 18 or 19, but dead uh, said, boys, cheers for that. For yeah, cheers for the hand pass uh, on that one. That, you're, but, you're very welcome. That would have been the first trade the Dockers would have won, I reckon. And we're oh, still probably. by with <laughs> now at the moment, I'll tell you. Oh, geez. And, I still can't uh, get him his uh, 300th game against us in round 6, 2019 as well. Yeah, it was like was, uh, very typical that he got the goal to get you guys back into that match too after we sort of seized the momentum. I think it, yep. And uh, this is this is expected right on cue. <laughs> We'll probably go. We'll probably go one more each because we're we're just about out of time. Uh, one that yep. concerns both of us though. So I've been I've been asked specifically by this account, Dork Talk uh, Duck. Ask Purple Rain, who is the weirdest unit at Fremantle? And, and in addition to that, they've also asked, who is the weirdest unit at the Dogs? 
So oh, this geez. is a bit of a running gag where we we ask the players after the game um, in our final siren podcast. Every time we get a player and we interview and we say, look, who's who's the weirdest unit at the club? For about a year and a half, without missing a, like a second, people would say Matty Tabner. Like they'd just go, Tabs, oh, the duck, mate. He's so weird. Like, you know, he's just the weirdest unit going around. Um, Nadio Driscoll's moved up into the weirdness rankings. Okay. Um, and I think Lockie Schultz has also been mentioned. So a little bit interesting there that, that Tabs isn't the nut, but apparently Tabs is just the dead set weirdest guy going around big spooky unit. Like no one really knows what's going on with him. He does weird stuff. Like he'll just put rubbish on people's cars and stuff like that. Just for no reason other than he thinks it's hell funny. Um, so yeah, I think he's a, he's the, he's the weirdest unit going around at the club, but what about at the dogs? Is there any, I mean, liver's got to be up there. Surely, oh, well, I was going to, I was going to say Liver's <laughs> top, top category across the competition. I reckon. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, Nick, are you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? B1. Um, I think, oh, uh, I think liver was there. Like there's another we used to, I mean, I'm sure you'll have you'll have uh, heard of the name Shane Biggs at some point. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. He's met his oh. match. Wilbur has met his match. Yeah. Oh, Bigsy, if Bigsy was still at the club, he, oh, he, it'd be Liver and it'd be Bigsy. It'd be yeah. a, it'd be yeah. that'd be a the really ideal, tough contest. But the uh, ideal Batman and Robin together for that thing. Except they're both Batman in this category. They're both just as crazy as each other. Oh, well, the, uh, he actually. It's a strangely beautiful thing. He and uh, he and Lin Jong posted on Instagram. They they caught up uh, to watch the Carlton um, Collingwood. Indeed, match, they did. Um, that to, was a wonderful and they had, thing. Uh, dog scarf on. So it's good to see that um, that they're still keeping yeah. in in, tab, in touch with the the club. Have you got one more for us? Um, yeah, just one more for up. you guys, just nice and quickly. So I mean, just looking at it with Dockers fans, is there a dog in particular that always plays well against the Dockers? Is there anyone, a Reece Stanley, a uh, uh, type maybe that just circles the Dockers every time and goes, I'm going to have a day out. Is there anyone who's who really seems to play well? I think Bonds a couple of years ago just put us to the absolute sword. And I was like, oh, well, there goes Fife's mantle is the best player in the comp. Bonds just gone way over the top of him last year. But is there, especially a lesser known player, is there anyone that we should be looking out for, I guess? I'd have to say that, yeah, if the Bont plays well and has a really, really good game, the Dogs are halfway home, just based off of, of history. Like, it's very rare that he has a very good game and the Dogs don't win. Um, so I think if, if – and it's, it's an obvious candidate to go for, but there, there's good reason for that. Um, if Bont plays well, I think it goes a long way to getting the Dogs home. I can't really think of anyone who'd win the, the Fremantle equivalent of the, of the Manjack Door medal from the Dogs. Um, no, I'm trying. I'm sifting through some of the numbers here at the moment as well. It's very, very interesting question in that in that sense. There, Duck. Um, I mean, I can tell you whose players that unfortunately haven't played well for us against uh, against the. Plenty of those. Um, <laughs> I can tell you, surprisingly, people might people might think about it, but uh, Aaron Norton hasn't exactly got off the chain yet. And under, you mentioned Alex Pierce too, and he's had a range of respective opponents over the past few years. But uh, I think he's just eight goals in seven games against mm. the Dockers here. So it's interesting to see with all the weapons that he possesses that he hasn't yet uh, been able to, to to destroy them in that sense. He had the opportunity last year, but one goal, five. Well, um, that's that's nine scores. Contest, too, didn't he? Nine scores in his last two games against Freeman. One, five. And I know you said Piers held, um, held him well. He still kicked three goals. 
recently yeah. against yeah. the, the oh Dolphins. yeah De- like i mean i think norton's one of those guys only needs five minutes and all of a sudden he's kicked three or four and you're like what the hell is going on here especially with the 666 rules but i guess maybe it's the dockers going well we didn't recruit this guy and he didn't want to come to us so stick it up him get get stuck into him but i think alex pierce is just a really good matchup for him alex pierce is elite pace like his closing speed is is up there um he's super underrated in his speed and his strength um is obviously is really good as well so and his hair oh he's got some of the best hair there, going around there's so there's a big it's reason. A really matchup of the fabios with the hair fabios oh geez and the headband oh he doesn't wear the headband or does he does pierce wear one no pierce puts his hair in the top knot ah you got the top knots and mm. the headband wonderful winning combination mm. i reckon i still mm. can't get over how when hamling requested the trade i think the dogs actually asked for pierce in return and we were promptly shown two middle fingers from what i understand yeah. A guy, a guy with a broken leg. So, yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think that's that's about going to do us for a, a massive elimination final preview yeah, here on on the Salty Bulldog. Uh, of course, we'll, we'll play it by ear in terms of how the Bulldogs go throughout the the finals. I'll definitely be an episode next week after uh, we win and and uh, and they cheer David Mundy off in front of his home crowd, which I think is a win win. I think David Mundy deserves to play his last game at uh, at Perth. Uh, I had to get the last say in there, Dark Side, but it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, we've really, uh, we've really appreciated your insight. Um, so thank you for your time. Thanks, boys. Um, thanks for having us on, and uh, good luck in the off season. Of course, all likewise, uh, mate. Of course, all Dockers fans, the Purple Rain podcast is there for you to to subscribe to. So go check that out. Nick Galea, thank you. Uh, another wonderful episode. Uh, good fun as always. Um, Pleasure very much there, Duck, to, to meeting you. Uh, hopefully, we can do this again sometime. All righty. See you, boys. Where have you been tuning in around the world? Thank you for your time. We look forward to having you join us again next week. But until then, take care.